Broadcasting live from the North Fulton Business Radio X studio, it's time for To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. To Your Health is brought to you by Morrow Family Medicine, an award-winning primary care practice, which brings the care back to health care. Hello, welcome back to another episode of To Your Health. This is Dr. Jim Morrow. I'm a little bit hoarse today. I need a good doctor if anybody knows one. Hey, John, we got him at Morrow Family Medicine. Yeah. Well, the rest, the rest of them, the are, rest of them, the rest are, of them are, are fantastic. That's but, right. Yeah, but the namesake's not there. That's right. So yeah. this is Jim Mar. I'm a family doc, and coming in Milton, Georgia, we have two locations to uh, serve people, and we're very happy that many, many people do choose to use our services every day. We're a traditional family practice. We don't do Botox, and we don't do Rejuvederm, and we don't do all the other things that some people are into doing. We just take care of people with their chronic conditions and their acute illnesses, do complete physical, sports physicals, that kind of thing. And uh, today we're going to talk about something that's very time appropriate. We're going to talk about seasonal affective disorder. Now, before I get started with seasonal affective disorder, I want to remind people that you can reach out to us either by Twitter. On Twitter, we are at ToYourHealthMD. And you can also email us, and that email address is Dr. Jim, that's drjim, at toyourhealth.md. So that's two ways you can send us comments, complaints, topic suggestions, anything you might have, anything you might want to share with us. And we really do appreciate it when listeners reach out to us. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, I hope you'll hit the subscribe button, and and that way you'll get them all. So that's a, a good way to listen. So seasonal affective disorder. Uh, this is something that many, many people have, and they have no idea that they have it or what it is because it's not something that gets talked about a lot. But because it is coming into winter time, we're a few days away from it actually being winter, uh, I thought we should talk about this. Seasonal affective disorder is a type of depression, and it's a type of depression that's triggered by the seasons of the year, typically the shorter days of the year. usually begins in late fall, early winter when the days start getting short, and people typically, as you would expect, feel better in the spring and summer when the days are longer. It's believed that it's related to changes in the amount of sunlight that people have during the different times of the year. Now, a rare person will get seasonal affective disorder symptoms, SAD as they call it, symptoms, in the summer instead of the winter. And that's really much less common. And I think it's really a lot more likely to be straight up depression than anything else except in the Atlanta area where it's 90 degrees for 90 days and everybody gets that way. So about 4 to probably 6 or 8% of people in the U.S. at least have symptoms consistent with SAD. Uh, in a milder form, you might see it in another 10 to 20% of people, and it's more common in men than women. It's also more common in younger people than older people. A lot of times as you age, you become less likely to suffer the symptoms of seasonal affective disorder. Now, the, nobody knows why any of those things are. It's just what the statistics have shown. And, and there's not a lot of research that goes into this because really the research for a seasonal affective disorder is pretty much the same as the research for depression. And when I was in medical school, there was a neuroanatomy professor who was just phenomenal. And she's now the president of a small school on the East Coast. And she studied the pineal gland, and the pineal gland is the gland in the, pretty much the center of your brain that responds to light input. 
And it, it's responsible for making a lot of the chemicals that are responsible for your mood and maintaining a good mood on a day-in, day-out kind of basis. Um, it's also more common, seasonal affective disorders, more common in the northern part of the earth because it's farther away from the equator. Now, I looked this up and I couldn't find anything that said whether it's more common in the southern parts as, that are farther from the equator. So I don't know that, and it's kind of curious to me if people in the Arctic have more SAD than people in Antarctica. So, and, and John, if I got my geography wrong, feel free to jump in, but you best keep your mouth shut. So symptoms of seasonal affective disorder are, like I said, they're very similar to the ones associated with depression. You get change in appetite. Now, that might be that you don't eat so much, or it might be that you eat more. People will frequently crave sweets and starchy foods. Uh, people can have weight gain. Uh, you can have fatigue. And again, realize these are all symptoms also of just plain depression. But if you find that this happens during November, December, January, then this is probably what's going on with you. You sleep more than normal. You have trouble concentrating. Focus is a, a problem. Irritability is huge, absolutely a huge symptom. And um, people tend to avoid getting in social situations. And that's kind of tough around the holidays because you have more opportunities probably to be in social situations and you might miss out on things that could otherwise be fun and, and be good for you. So if you're having that, you need to talk to somebody. You can even have physical problems such as headaches and even IBS type symptoms, stomach symptoms with diarrhea and constipation and stomach ache and that kind of thing. All of these can be symptoms associated with seasonal affective disorder. Now, these symptoms, as I mentioned, tend to come somewhere between probably November and January, October and January, and they tend to come back year after year. So I think it's important that if you see this kind of cycle and seeing cyclical things like that in people who have depressive symptoms, it's not unusual. I refer you back to our podcast on depression itself. Uh, we talked about that a good a little bit. So if you feel like this is happening too, call your family doctor. If you live in the North Fulton Forsyth County, Johns Creek, Canton area, Macedonia, Free Home, all those places, then you ought to come to Mara Family Medicine. But if you're in Chicago, go see your family doctor in Chicago. Anywhere else, you ought to come to Mara Family Medicine. So what actually physically causes these symptoms? Now, like I mentioned, the pineal gland gets less light, and so you, you end up with less of the chemicals that you need to maintain normal mental health. Uh, serotonin is one of those chemicals, and it gets low. Your circadian rhythm, your biological clock, if you will, can be altered because of the decrease in sunlight. You can have um, depression because of melatonin levels dropping. Melatonin is a chemical in your brain that helps you sleep. Most people know that. You can go to the store and buy it. You have to take huge amounts of it for it to do you any good. But it can help, and if it does, that's great. It has very few, if any, side effects. But if those levels drop, then you won't sleep as well. And if you don't sleep as well, you really are a candidate for having these symptoms. So that's an important thing, too. Another thing that people don't think about a lot as far as neurochemicals and serotonin in particular is vitamin D. Vitamin D is very important. And, of course, vitamin D we get primarily from the sun. And I tell patients all the time they ought to be taking vitamin D. Anybody that asks, I say, yes, take vitamin D. Because we've created an entire population of people who are vitamin D deficient by telling them to stay out of the sun. 
because sun causes problems, wrinkles, skin cancer, all kind of other things. So we stress to people you don't need too much sun so you're not getting enough vitamin D. And in the wintertime especially, you get so little that you can't have a problem with neurotransmitters, and that can give you these symptoms. I mentioned earlier being female um, puts you at more risk. You're actually four times more at risk of SAD if you're female than if you're male. Living far away from the equator, I mentioned those things as well. Having a family history, if you have family history of people that have this condition, then it's a lot more likely that you might have it as well. And another thing that happens is you see patients, or some people do have what's called bipolar disorder. Uh, when I was in med school, we called it manic depressive disorder, but now we call it bipolar disorder. And if you do have bipolar disorder, you certainly are more at risk of symptoms during the time of year when the days are short. And I mentioned, too, that when you're younger, you're more likely to have symptoms. And I'd love to see some research on why that is, that as you get older, you're less likely to have trouble, but it is the way it is. So how do you diagnose seasonal affective disorder? Basically, it's a conversation with your physician. You tell him that you're having these feelings, these thoughts, this behavior that's unlike yourself. You don't, quote, feel like yourself. And they may or may not do a physical exam. There's not a great deal you're going to find on physical exam, really, that would relate to this with the possible exception of an enlarged thyroid that might lead you somewhere. And they might do some lab tests to be sure there are not other things going on that would give you these same symptoms. And then they also might, and I hope they would, recommend that you talk to a therapist, a psychologist or a psychiatrist potentially, but that's really probably overkill in a situation like this. But a psychologist or a therapist I think would be a very good way to go about that. So that's the things that the physician might do. Now, there's some other things you can do, and we'll talk about them in a minute. But you really – it's very difficult to avoid seasonal affective disorder. And when I was putting this together, I thought, well, you could move. That's one thing you could do. Patients ask me all the time when they have horrible allergies and live in Georgia, what can I do about my allergies? And my response is usually that. Well, you could move. That would pretty much take care of that. Of course, then you probably become allergic to whatever there is in the place where you move to. But really, it's very difficult. The best thing you can do is to learn to manage these symptoms. And there are a few things you can do. And medications is one of the main things that people can do to help to manage these symptoms. So before we get to the treatment of seasonal affective disorder and how you can specifically go about treating it, because it's not terribly difficult to treat, really, I'd like to remind everybody that this episode of To Your Health is brought to you by Mara Family Medicine. Uh, In our practice, we have two doctors, four PAs, a nurse practitioner, and a boatload of staff who are willing and ready to help you in any way they can. Uh, We pride ourselves on calling patients back and what patients think is a timely fashion, not what the office thinks is a timely fashion because those may very well not be the same. And we like to think also that we've got a provider type for you no matter what that might be. So we ask you, if you would, to give us a chance. We do make it easy for you to see us. Uh, there's not a weekday you can't see someone at Mara Family Medicine just by walking in and showing up between the hours of 7.30 and 8.30, Monday through Friday, in either location. That's our walk-in hour, as we refer to it. Think about sick call if you were in the military, or think of it as an urgent care setting in that first hour. And if you show up at 8.40, we're not going to tell you we can't see you. We're still going to see you, but we have to slide you in the schedule a few minutes later. So 
there's just not a day when you can't be seen. And to me, that's critical. And we try to do that every single day. And I hope we're doing a good job of it. Now, I want to say, too, that today's the first day that we've had the podcast uh, produced live on not only the North Fulton Business Radio X website, but also you can go to the Mara Family Medicine website or the To Your Health uh, Facebook page and listen live right now. So if you're already listening live, that's great. If you want to switch over to the Facebook page and check that out, John, our producer, has found a great embedded player that plays the show live when we're live, and also it also gives you quick access to all of the episodes that we've done to date, and that will continue to be updated automatically, and I think it's a great thing. So we're excited about that, and I appreciate John Ray putting that together for us. So seasonal affective disorder treatments, there are a few different things you can do. I mentioned seeing a therapist, sort of talk therapy, and we'll talk about that very little bit more. There's not a great deal more to say about that. And also medicine, and we'll talk about that. But the most interesting thing to me is what's called light therapy. So people get seasonal affective disorder because of the lack of light. And since the late 80s, there have been portable lights available that you can purchase. I actually looked them up on Amazon because I had to see what Peg was doing on Amazon. The FedEx driver said she was on a tear. That's a quote the other day. (laughs) And so I looked it up on Amazon, and the light to treat seasonal affective disorder is $34.99 on Amazon. And they've got a variety of them. I'm sure you can pay more than that. But what you do is you just turn this light on and say bright light. You put it in front of you when you're having breakfast or something where you have between 20 and 60 minutes to do it. I think 20 to 30 is probably an appropriate amount of time. And you just turn this light on. And the light waves go, of course, you see them and your brain perceives that. And then the pineal gland is stimulated. These chemicals are produced and you start to get better. So it's something that's very, very easy to do. You do it in the privacy of your home, do it in your office, do it anywhere you might want to. Uh, and, it, and it really is obviously cheap, and it has been shown to be very effective, and it's a great way to go about treating this. The, the box emits a light, a bright light, that very much mimics natural sunlight, and you just need to be careful if you have skin sensitivity or anything like that. You might talk to your physician about the idea of doing this and be sure it's okay. If you have bad cataracts, I can tell you right now it's not a great idea. But anyway, it's, it's a really good way to go about doing that. Now, you don't have to use the box if you do light therapy. The other thing you can do if you do light therapy is there's a visor that emits a light that gets into your eyes and stimulates the pineal gland. And that, that light, some people refer to that as a dawn simulator because it kind of comes up slowly and then gets brighter as you go along. But you can do it that way as well. So there are a variety of things that can be done. And I, I think I've, I know I've had patients that have done this, and I think they've been very pleased with it. I will tell you again, if you have bipolar disorder, you are more prone to SAD, and it's recommended, if you have bipolar, that you don't use the light. So that's an important thing. And for some reason, what I read about this said that I should also tell you that tanning beds are not a good idea for seasonal affective disorder. And I can't imagine anybody would think they would be because when you go into a tanning bed, you put on these goggles and you can't really see the light. But don't use a tanning bed for any purpose whatsoever under the sun. There's no reason you should use a tanning bed. So don't do that. Behavioral therapy we talked about. Now, the thing about behavioral therapy, that's pretty much an ongoing thing. I don't think you could just 
go to a therapist in early November and not have seasonal effective that year. I think going to a therapist is something you'd have to do on an ongoing basis or certainly a few months before the time when you would expect to have symptoms. And then medications. Medications are the same ones that we use for straight-up depression. Typically, in a situation like this, you would use the group of medicines called SSRIs, the Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitors. That's Prozac, Zoloft, Paxil, Selexa, and Lexapro. And that's the order they came out in. Uh, and, and I think all of those are good. I'm, I'm not a fan of Paxil. I'll tell you right now, I'm not a fan of Paxil. It puts weight on people, and I haven't met many people that really want that or can afford that. So I would stay away from Paxil. But Zoloft, Lexapro, those are fantastic medications for this. And they work extremely well, but they do require that you start them sometime before the symptoms might start. So again, like talk therapy, you can't just start it when the symptoms get here. you got to start it a little bit ahead of time. So if, ahead, if the symptoms were to start, let's call it November 15th, just for the sake of argument, you know, I would plan if I were you to start the medicine around Labor Day. And if you took it September, October, November, December, January, by the time it got out of your system, the light would be back and you'd probably feel fine. And it's not a problem ever to take those medicines on a, a, a schedule like that where you would actually take them for a while and then uh, stop and start back. That's not a problem at all. And a lot of times people will want to do that. But there are also other things you can do. Letting as much light in your home or your office as you can helps. Don't sit in the office with the blinds closed or the curtains drawn. Sit in there so that you get as much natural light, and it's important to be natural light if you're not using the box, so that you can get as much light as the season will allow. And even if it's cloudy and cold, if you go outside, you're still going to benefit from that amount of light, and it's still going to help you. Be physically active. Being physically active helps. It helps all forms of depression, and it helps seasonal affective disorder as well, because when you're active, your brain releases chemicals that make you feel better. If you're taking medicine, be sure you follow the treatment plan. Take your medicines regularly, go to your appointments and so forth. Be a good patient, if you will, and, and do that, and I think you'll find that it really does help. Take care of your body. Eat well. Sleep well. Don't get into situations that cause you too much stress because that's never a good idea and there's hardly ever a good outcome from that. Don't rely on alcohol and drugs. If your depression is making you sad, alcohol is only going to make you sadder. If you're having trouble sleeping, alcohol will put you to sleep, but it will make you have more trouble sleeping, and that leads to more alcohol, and that's an obvious problem. So be careful about that. Try to manage, to the extent that you can, the stress in your life. You know, People get stressed because they're trying to do too much for too many with too few resources in too short a period of time. So... Try to avoid that. Try to do what you can to decrease some part of that so that the stress in your life will be better. The temptation is to isolate yourself. When you get depressed, a lot of times you don't want to hang out with friends and be social. I mentioned that earlier. And if you do that and you're just by yourself, it's a very good chance that your symptoms could easily get worse. Take a trip. Leave here and go somewhere warmer, go somewhere brighter, go somewhere where the days are longer. And anything you do like that during this time of year is going to break up the, the long period of less sunlight between, call it mid-November and mid-February. So these are the things that you can do to try to treat seasonal affective disorder. And I hope that if you have these symptoms 
and you've wondered about them, that this will be enlightening to you to a degree, and you'll be able to go to your family physician and get some treatment, get some advice, and feel better. And I, w- I would like to think that people could manage this and do very, very well and have it not become a, a major thing. Holidays can be extremely stressful. They can be extremely saddening because of things that we've lost and people we've lost and situations that have changed over the years. And so I hope that this will help people not have such a stressful and sad time during the holidays. So, John, that's pretty much what I've got for seasonal affective disorder. So there's the season of, in terms of, you know, fall, winter, those kind of seasons, but then there's the holiday season, right? So, I mean, there's two different seasons that we're kind of talking about here, right? Yeah. And so the some folks have, you know, there's a lot of blue Christmas services at our faith communities. Um, so they're, how do you know the difference, I guess, between how you're, how you're affected by the change in, in the shorter days and, and less sunlight and that kind of thing. And, and the, um, effect of just the holiday season. Well, I I think it's very difficult, if not impossible to know because the two coincide, you know, the fact that Christmas Hanukkah season and so forth is right in the middle of the time when the days are the shortest. Sure. And there's not a test for any of that. I think it's really impossible to know. The, the way I think you would figure that out would be with a psychologist or a therapist and, and talking about that. Um, I, for years, just on a personal note, for years and years until about 15 years ago, I didn't like Thanksgiving. I hated Thanksgiving. I would always plan to be on call Thanksgiving. And every Thanksgiving, I would appear with my family at the Thanksgiving dinner, 10, 10, 30 in the morning, getting things ready. And before dinner was served, I would say that I got called and had to go see a patient and I would go to my office or my house and be by myself because I hated Thanksgiving. And one day in the office, I was sitting there talking to a patient about her issues. She had abdominal pain every April, three Aprils in a row. And I said to her, you know, it's not unusual for people to have problems the same time of year. I said, I hate, and I stopped. Oh. And I said, holy Toledo, I hate Thanksgiving because my grandfather died on Thanksgiving Day. Wow. And I remember very clearly, age 18, phone rings at 10 in the morning. Mama's getting Thanksgiving ready. Granddaddy's dead. Mm. And he used to live with us very close to him. And it was a great big thing. And for years, I couldn't stand Thanksgiving. And so that same kind of thing applies here. I mean, people, like I said earlier, they don't like the holidays because of things they're missing, people they're missing, and so forth. And then it's right there in the middle of when the days are short. So I don't think you, that's a very long answer for I don't think you can know that. But the good news is it doesn't matter because you treat it all the same way. So if you don't mind me asking more on that, so did it did it take that conversation with that lady for that to hit you that 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 was the reason you hated Thanksgiving? Yeah, well, that's the rest of the story. As soon as I walked out of that exam room and went in my office and I sat there thinking, holy Toledo, granddaddy died Thanksgiving morning. No wonder I hate Thanksgiving. Right. And since that time in that room, I've loved Thanksgiving. Mm. And I've enjoyed Thanksgiving tremendously. It's a huge day at our house. 
Um, my wife mentioned last night that this Thanksgiving was incredibly special to her. Everything was beautiful and the people were wonderful. We have all pe- these people over. And since that day with that patient, I have loved Thanksgiving and I look forward to it. Now, I miss my grandfather, but I missed him all along. I just wasn't doing it consciously. Right. So now consciously I'm missing my grandfather and I think about him and sometimes talk about him at Thanksgiving. But now I love Thanksgiving, whereas before it was just eating me from the inside and I had no idea why. So that patient needed to send you a bill. Because <laughs> she helped you, right? I mean, seriously, I'm, I'm, I'm no, making a joke. She but, absolutely helped me. But because you got that out, you, you realized something that was um, eating at you. You didn't You didn't know. I didn't. And, and you're absolutely right. She did help me. And as soon as I said, I hate Thanksgiving, our roles reversed. And she said, well, why is that? Wow. And it was, I mean, I really should have written her a check on the spot. Sure. Because she, she changed my life for the better because uh-huh. of the conversation alone. It was just a conversation. But it was wonderful. And, and unfortunately, too many people feel that way during winter for a bunch of different reasons. And I would love it if people would hear this podcast and make a realization and do something about that and feel better. Everybody's not going to be fortunate enough to just remember that granddaddy died Thanksgiving morning. And that's why you hate the day. Sure. But I would love for some people to benefit from this. Well, and what this is a reminder of, uh, and I don't mind giving a shameless plug cause I'm a patient, um, is folks at Morrow family medicine take the time to talk to you. So, you know, who knows, right? Somebody may uh, be in your office and say they're not feeling so great and you're able to talk it out and, and they're able to come, come to a realization about some situations in their life. Well, we, we certainly try to talk and to listen. And I think any good doctor will tell you that most of their diagnoses are made without laying a hand on a patient. Well, I guess the – and. The point is, is that you do put the care back in healthcare, and you don't run people through there through there like a uh, machine. So, uh, if folks want to sit and talk about an issue they think they're having, you're willing to do that. We are, and I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, you've done that with me, so thank you. I'm going to resist the urge to go there. <laughs> yeah, hey, if if you go there, I'm hitting the button, and with this show's <laughs> over. <laughs> So I do want to thank everybody for listening. We're going to end today with the same theme song we always do. It's my friend Steve Watson from Greenville, South Carolina. And thank you very much. This is To Your Health.